All right, hey everybody. I've known I need to do a report on this. A number of people have asked me to over the last couple of days, and I can't get all the information perfectly organized, but I just need to go ahead and start recording so I can move on to the next thing. This particular topic deals with the session of annual conference that just ended in Kenya, Ethiopia. Uh, if, uh, if you're with me just listening, then I'm going to try and detail whatever documents I'm showing. I'm showing a lot of documentation today just so that people know I'm not making things up. Um, if, you, if you are watching on a screen, you should see my screen here where I've got two things pulled up. It was uh, on the left you have here the invitation that went out for the fifth session of the United Methodist Church's Kenya-Ethiopia Annual Conference. This is not a very old conference. They only had 98 churches represented here, and we're going to see the worship space that they were in and hear some of the sounds that they were hearing. But this is uh, the, the, the marketing thing put out. They met in um, a, uh, a, the church was UMC Tazama Christ, I'm sure I said that wrong, hosted in the Mombasa district. The actual document inviting people is on the right. It was the notice submitted on July 31st, and it uh, has an agenda on here. So that's why I, I thought it was important to pull up, and it has a lot of boilerplate stuff that you'll find at usual annual conferences, but at number six, you'll see there's a petition for disaffiliation slash withdrawal from the United Methodist Church due to homosexuality inclusion. So that's what this conference just ended about. It was supposed to go a bit longer. I don't know if they followed that in order. I, I think I did see that they had a finance presentation, so they probably messed with the order of the agenda. But at this conference, there was a showdown about what to do with the American ascendant progressive wing that is taken over in America. If you have been living under a rock, um, I and many others have been chronicling how it is that progressives have effectively taken over the denomination after conservatives have left. Um, 2019, the denomination decided to adopt a number of right-leaning proposals to maintain the, the doctrine and discipline of the United Methodist Church. Liberals and progressives at that point who were given an out chose to say instead we're staying and we are not obeying. So conservatives left, and they were allowed to do so largely in the United States because of paragraph 2553, but as I've already covered outside of the United States, conservatives that don't want to be on this ride anymore have not been allowed to leave. Um, and so I chronicled that. I've, let's see, if you look at the screen, not that one, can UMC... Central Conferences Disaffiliate. This is the, the piece I did getting into Bishop Tom Bickerton making his edict about Central Conferences not being able to use paragraph 2553 on a technicality. Because of his pronouncement, many Filipino churches have just straight up left their buildings. One bishop split off and started his own denomination. I've been meaning to research that, and I haven't done it yet. Um, but if you haven't watched that piece, can UMC Central Conferences disaffiliate uh, here on Plain Spoken? It's worth watching because it, it ties into a second piece that I did, how the UMC is actually really literally racist. And so in that one, I chronicle how it is that elites in the United States, be they black or white, male or female, are um, 
not allowing Central Conference United Methodists to have the same rights and privileges as American United Methodists. It's part of why I left. I just I I think racism is gross when you're treating people differently based on their ethnic heritage, um, ethnic cultural uh, heritage. So this is something I've I've actually commented on a lot and done a lot of interviews about. If you uh, go to my Plain Spoken podcast YouTube page at the very bottom, African United Methodist interview series is right there. I've talked to a number of, uh, it's been all men so far. I, for some reason, I haven't had a lot of women sign up, but um, talked to a lot of uh, clergymen on the continent of Africa. And of course, Africa is huge and it's covered with many nations, uh, hundreds if not thousands of tribes and cultures. But even so, I've, I've talked to many trying to figure out what's going on on the ground there, how it is that they think about Americans, look at Americans. So um, I, I don't have a perfect perspective, and I'm sure there's always more to know. But even so, in Kenya in particular, uh, we're going to dive into the particulars of that setting, but then it matters a lot more than, than people know because the bishop just made a decision that goes against Tom Bickerton's decision. The, the, the head of the council of bishops, the president, I forget his title, um, Wandabula, Bishop Wandabula of, of Kenya, Ethiopia area. Actually, he's, he's over a huge area. We'll talk about that in a second. He just made a unilateral decision that goes against the American bishops, and there's a real question about if this can be maintained and seen through and, and how this can all go wrong. So stay with me. I'm going to walk you through. I, I think it's really interesting. I pulled up a bunch of snippets of things that I remembered about Kenya, Ethiopia, this 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 area, this conference. I was really surprised to learn it's only 98 churches um, represented, but uh, there's a lot more to learn. So first up, going to their Facebook page, this uh, this uh, chronicles uh, the most recent post is showing a video that I'll show you here in a second, um, but it shows you kind of a party atmosphere they were having at. Yeah, I don't know the um, The post before that, one day ago, here's a picture of the assembled body in the in the space, and it says the conference adjourned later in the day after two days of intense debate, including the issue of disaffiliation and withdrawal of some congregations from the United Methodist Church on matters drawn from the 2019 General Conference. It was Bishop's wisdom that the critical issues be addressed through ad hoc committees in two months and submit to him the report, even as those congregations leaving were already—I'm putting already, but uh, yeah, they were granted their requests to leave. So um, what, what exactly is going on there? A lot of you know I, I have people write me. There are some people that don't mind me saying their names. There are other people that, that do. The only people y'all know about that I've actually talked to from Kenya is very recently Boniface Muki. Uh, he's the most recent one. So if you want a picture of what's going on on the ground there, he's a church planter. He's one of the clergy whose churches have now been granted an exit and are going to affiliate with the Global Methodist Church. Uh, but I've had other clergy write me from Kenya who weren't ready to come out yet, um, and so I, I, I have clergy who wrote me and reported that the bishop adjourned the conference, 
and they had a long cabinet meeting and they agreed on three things. Um, one, to let the willing churches, members, and districts leave the United Methodist Church. Apparently, they've already been granted a- exit. I- I'm sure no paperwork has been filed yet. Two, the two parties formed a joint committee to strike the way forward on properties within two months. So they're going to let the churches go ahead and go, and then they're going to strike a deal with how they, they let the properties go. And then three, following the report of the committee, a special conference meeting may be called if necessary. So all of that sounds nice. Um, if you're curious how this actually broke down, so um, there were 58 churches at this point, I think, that decided to leave, and that doesn't sound like much. Uh, coming from Oklahoma, we've had more churches than that disaffiliate, but the thing is, Kenya only had 98, well, the, the annual conf- conference only had 98 churches, and I don't know how many were from Ethiopia, and I, I'm sure not many. Um, so nine, 58 churches wanted to leave, and that was with tremendous Western pressure on them. If you want to learn about this, do not go to their website, the uh, Kenya-Ethiopia conference. They have nothing on there. I couldn't even find anything about conference session, so don't even worry about that. I, I, I don't think they even build their own website. I think that's probably done by someone in America. So the, the first thing I had for us to consider was the bio on Bishop Daniel Wandavula. I'm probably saying his name wrong, and if so, I'm sorry. He was elected in 2005 as a resident bishop uh, in Africa. Now that means that he has been in place for almost 20 years. That's really not common in the United Methodist Church. In, on the continent of Africa, you actually have several bishops that have been in their positions way too long that's partly because they don't seem to want to step down a lot of them. They make good money. They're doing pretty well. But it's also because um, they have not been able to get the proper gatherings together to elect new bishops. It's also because the uh, the United Methodist Church as a whole has reneged on monies for creating new Episcopal areas with new bishops. So there's been a lot of different factors at play. Uh, if you if you have a screen to look at, you'll see that I've got a map pulled up of the different Episcopal areas in the Africa Central Conference, and Bishop Wandabula is responsible for all the red threes, so South Sudan, Uganda, Kenya, Rwanda, Burundi, Ethiopia is right here. This, this map, I think, is at least four years old. It is not a current map, but um, I don't know that a current map exists. So he's responsible for a huge geographical area. You would think that he would live somewhere within all those red threes. I've heard it from multiple sources that Bishop Wandabula actually lives in the United States of America. <laughs> he spends the bulk of his time over here. And so he, uh, according to them, he only flies back for annual conference sessions and, and any other mandatory gatherings, which is uh, quite exceptional, except uh, there's... Also, uh, Bishop, uh, what was his, uh, Ketanga Muyombo, Mande Muyombo, he lives in the U.S. Apparently, I've heard several different African bishops actually live in the U.S. I don't have a comprehensive list on that. I might, I might put that together. Another thing I remembered about Wandabula, this is a UM News article from 2013, February of 2013. That's Bishop Daniel Wandabula when he was a little bit younger. This is how long uh, uh, trials and tribulations go back in that conference. They did an audit here in America on his conference, uh, the Kenya uh, conference at that point, and it did not 
pass the test. And so they actually cut off his funding and it has never resumed. Now, according to people on the ground there whom I've talked to, I haven't gotten any confirmation of this yet. So this is, I want you to hear, allegedly really loud from me. Allegedly, conference leaders have been saying, um, if you stay with the United Methodist Church, we will unfreeze these funds and money will start flowing back into Kenya again. Now that hasn't been substantiated. Something that has been, or at least by Simon Mafunda, if you haven't seen my interview with him, he was a fantastic conversation partner. He uh, published on the 15th last week that uh, the title was Methodist Federation for Social Action Funding Liberalism in Kenya, and he details how different um, uh, things have been proposed by MFSA here in America. They've got some money that they're sending that way in order to get people to the conference this week to vote to stay in the United Methodist Church. Why would they be fighting to get them to stay? Well, I believe it's because Kenya is the most effective place where Western money has been able to buy the consciences of, of people on the ground there. So if you saw my interview with uh, Reverend Mookie, Boniface Mookie, he uh, says that Western money has actually been effective in changing hearts and minds in Kenya. And he has, uh, there is a reason to believe him. If you look at the screen again, this is an article written by uh, Gad Maiga, on UM Insight, Bishop Dedicates Reconciling Church in Kenya. That is Bishop Daniel Wandabula right there, blessing. You are not imagining it. That is an RMN sign on First United Methodist Church of Mojito. His name is right there on the plaque. He is dedicating a, uh, a reconciling church. If you don't know what a reconciling church is, RMN, or Reconciling Ministries Network, is uh, a left-leaning advocacy group that's, I think it's mostly uh, dealing with the United Methodist Church, although not exclusively. A lot of money going into that to advocate for the position of revising the United Methodist Church's sexual ethics. So uh, the most recent story I know about them was they got money from GBCS, Church and Society. The General Board of Church and Society gave them a grant to develop a, uh, a curriculum, a VBS curriculum, that is, uh, I haven't seen the curriculum, but it was uh, in some sense grooming children uh, for accepting alternative lifestyles um, with respect to sexuality. So they've been not just an advocacy group, but they've been an antagonistic within the United Methodist Church framework, and they got not just one church to sign on in Kenya, but uh, here you have an actual RMN article breaking, colon, and of course there's not a date on this, Christ Chapel UMC in Kenya becomes the second African reconciling United Methodist Church. So it's not just on the continent of Africa, it's the second Kenyan reconciling church. And so you'll see how many people took that picture. Whenever I spoke with um, Absalom Nuhu, uh, he was one of my first interviews, and I asked him, uh, will Africans ever uh, get on board with the American progressives. He says, never. He said, never, never, never. And I said at that point, well, what about this? I didn't know about the second church. I knew about the first Kenyan church. He said, I bet you the people in those churches don't even know what the Reconciling Ministries Network does. They, they don't even know what it's about. I bet they just know they're sending them 
money. So the accusation all along uh, from conservatives has been they're sending us all kinds of money to to change what we believe about human sexuality. And I've had a number of interviewers, uh, interviewees on my channel say we were getting Western money until we started advocating against the liberal position in America, and then they stopped sending us money, whether there was an individual partnership, but also, you know, in Nigeria, they were just recently told, hey, we don't have any money for you at all. And their bishop, John Wesley Johanna, he's the only bishop who's come out strongly against the liberal agenda in the United Methodist Church. So while they're talking to Kenya and saying, hey, we have more money for you, we'll unfreeze it. They're talking to Nigeria and saying, hey, we probably don't have any more money for you. You're going to need to start pulling your own weight. So money has played a big role in this. And then when you listen to uh, Boniface Mookie's interview with me, he says they're gaining ground here. And so he's not just talking about those two churches that have turned uh, into reconciling churches. He's, he's talking about... Um, well, I, I think I was talking about the district superintendents. There's more than 10 there. I want to say 12. Only three wanted to leave with the crew that's leaving. Obviously, the crew that's leaving represents the majority, 58, but not nearly as much as you would think, given that it's in Africa. Um, we'll talk about the uh, UM Africa Forum first, but another piece of history that's um, uh, important to, to talk about before that is uh, last year, I don't know how many of you remember, all the African bishops got together in September of 2022. So that was a month after Bishop Wandabula blessed that Reconciling Ministries church. So they all got together, and out of that gathering, I've just got a, an article here uh, about that. Out of that gathering, they issued this statement that you'll see on the screen here. And of course, I'm going to put all the links to this in uh, the show notes. But they issued a statement saying, we want conservative groups, Africa Initiative, Global Methodist Church, Wesleyan Covenant Association, we want them to get the heck out of our business. Of course, they didn't say heck, they were much more godly about it than that. But that really came as a surprise because everybody knows Africa is quite conservative with respect to sexual ethics and any uh, number of other things. Their, their hermeneutic for reading the Bible is much more conservative. So um, the Africa Initiative, the, ne the next thing I'm, I'm showing you is a response. They released a press release just a couple days later just saying, hey, this is really weird. We honor you guys, but listen, we're not seeking to undo anything that African United Methodism is about. We're not trying to steal sheep. We're trying to advocate for the position that we have always stood firmly on. And so since then, to my knowledge, there hasn't been any uh, uh, other exchange, but I was sent a video. I wasn't aware that other Africans were aware when their bishops were getting together in September of last year, but apparently they got together and they they picketed uh, the gathering, and so someone took a video of the signs that they were holding. Here's the video. First one says, mandatory retirement is mandatory, so many were supposed to retire and they didn't. The next one says, bishops, please preserve Methodism. Next one says, Bishop Wandabula, you betrayed Africa. And you better believe that's about blessing the RMN church. Next sign says, no to reconciling churches in Africa. And then the next sign says, bishops, please adhere to the book of discipline. I think, yeah, the, the video ends there. 
So that's just to to say, like Africans have known for a while that Western money is is playing a role in um, in what's going on there, and they're not happy about it. What do you do about it? Well, you form another group, supposedly. I mean, this is where it gets really complicated. The UMAF, uh, United Methodist African Forum, uh, came about earlier this year, and they're the BUMC, Stay UMC crew, and uh, they, they seem all right until you just notice that they seem completely unconcerned about Western money corrupting the African voice. They seem completely unconcerned about creeping leftism. And then I've seen a number of these guys who na- whose names were at the bottom of that, that document signed there, I've seen a number of them be really nasty online uh, to people who are sympathetic to the conservative position. So uh, supposedly, according to Odell Horn, they've made a statement saying that they're not in favor of liberalizing the, the sexual ethics I I don't know. I, I there's a lot of overlap between some of these guys and the Christmas Covenant, which of course is the segregation legislation that's going to be considered at General Conference next year, where they make it so that African voices can no longer critique or correct American voices. Uh, America will be able to liberal, liberalize its its position on sexuality, and Africa won't be able to do or say anything about it. And a lot of these guys in the UMAF are in league with Christmas Covenant thinkers like that. So the it's hard to connect all the dots, but it really seems to be the case that Western money has compromised the bishops and many others, other leaders in Africa who like the money that comes with pleasing Americans, and that some of them are willing to compromise their position on, on human sexuality. Others are willing to just make room for that kind of wickedness uh, t- so that they can uh, receive the privileges that come with pleasing rich Americans. So whenever I first began studying all this, I really hoped that the African voice would would easily and firmly correct the American voice. We're so insular, we're so into ourselves. I saw Jerry Kula get up on the floor of General Conference a few years ago, of course, on online. I wasn't there in person. And he spoke so powerfully and so clearly to Americans, and I just thought, yes, we need this. And I, I imagined that Africa would be able to continue doing that. And I just think, I guess at this point, I was naive to imagine that Western, there's been such a consistent pressure from America with carrot and stick approaches. You know, whenever they're freezing assets, of entire conferences uh, for, for reasons that, to my knowledge, were never substantiated, and they just let them sit for decades. And then the conference where they're freezing those funds just happens to be the place where they have the only bishop in, Amer- in Africa that I'm aware of that is blessing and allowing these uh, reconciling ministries, churches. You know, there's just a lot of things that are, uh, there's a confluence of a lot of factors here that are just really weird in Africa. And so now whenever... Um, Whenever the bishop is allowing churches to leave, this is presenting a problem, as I said earlier, because Tom Bickerton and the American College of Bishops have been very clear that no central conference churches cannot leave. When the uh, entire Bulgaria, well, is Bulgaria-Romania annual conference, they left like as soon as they could, and then the UMC said, no, 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 we're not going to let you go. That was an entire, con- they will not let an entire conference go. You have to go through a long convoluted process that I covered on that previous segment, can central conferences leave? Um, but local churches 
can't even leave. And so I talked about the, the, the turmoil that that's caused in the Philippines. So essentially what you're doing, watching happen right now is Juan Dabula is going against the American College of Bishops. He's already put in writing apparently or, or made several assurances that um, they, they are going to let these churches go. In fact, they're already gone. We'll, we'll just see. You know, I, There are a lot of people in Kenya that are really happy and feeling like it was a, a good faith measure from their bishop that really did let them go. But I, I don't know. I've seen too much. I, I think until you've got a legal document in writing, uh, it's just too easy for them to go. Oh, you know, we really wanted to, but it's it's a bit more uh, complicated than that. And I'm afraid we're just not going to be able to fulfill. You know, the the United Methodist Church it, pro- it made general conference decisions so far as apportioning new bishops and more money for the African continent. But as soon as they're seeing less money, they're going. Oh, sorry, we need it for here. We can't be sending it over there. I just think they're too many examples of the the UMC leadership behaving in, in ways that are like self-preserving to imagine that they're just going to benevolently be like, oh yeah, let those, you know, and for some people they might, it's just 58 churches, just let them go. It's not like they have a lot of money. That's not what matters. What matters is if all the other churches throughout the central conferences that don't want to be a part of the UMC hear about this and go, okay, well, Wondabula, let them go, let us go. Why won't you let us go? We don't want to be on this ride either. And so if if this is allowed to go forward, I can imagine a huge central conference response, not just all over Africa, but I think there are a number of churches still in the Philippines and in Eastern Europe that don't want to be a part of this anymore. What happens if they all just try and get up and go? Well, that's when I think you are going to see uh, the racism of the UMC really crop up, and they're going to restrain all of these conferences. Uh, the only other option that they could have is where they graciously, and to my surprise, say, okay, you know what, even though we, we don't think it's legal, we don't want to make anybody stay, go ahead and go. But then why would you have that benevolent posture towards them and, and not towards America, if not just out of concern for money? So I don't know. I've, it's one of these things that's so messy and so weird and messed up that really there's not much that they could do well, I, I've been saying from the beginning, I think the only way that the United Methodist Church leadership can maintain its integrity is to let everybody go without condition. And if some of them want to pay uh, connectional ministries funding and all that, then they can, surely. But to hold that over their head and say, we're not letting you go until, that puts you in a, a morally reprehensible position that so far, United Methodist bishops have been eager to fill, uh, not just willing, but eager and so if you don't know what I'm talking about, uh, you know, beyond, well, okay, so the WCA has chronicled those conferences in America that have created just impossibly high standards for disaffiliation. If you don't know about the collective lawsuits under the NCLL that have been filed in at least five annual conferences, that's something to know about. If you don't know about the hostile takeover of churches in North Carolina, East Ohio, Oklahoma, California, I've chronicled all these um, if you're just discovering this channel for the first time, you've got a lot to learn. There's a lot that that I have chronicled. There's, and I'm not the only one. Um, the IRD, UM Action, um, uh, uh, Chris Ritter's blog, People Need Jesus. There's a lot of stuff out there. You need to know what's going on if you're in the United Methodist Church still. And that's not to say you should leave, but if you have a, a traditionally conservative biblical hermeneutic, you are going to be very uncomfortable and unhappy in the United Methodist Church, you probably already are. 
even if you don't know what's going on. So um, this, this Kenyan thing, I got to wrap this up. This Kenyan thing has huge implications. Definitely be in prayer for Bishop Wandabula. I don't know how many of his troubles are because he's been standing on righteousness versus how much he's been giving into Western money. I don't see how it is that he's going to be able to maintain this decision that was made just earlier today or yesterday. Um, so anyway, pray that he stands on integrity. Pray that the Kenyan churches that want out can get out. Pray that Western dollars stop interfering with African beliefs and conscience. And um, just pray, you know, the, the, the overall thing that I'm anxious about is, is, is the United Methodist Church going to be a collective of the willing, or is it going to be a mixture of the willing and the coerced? And I just think uh, when you've got coercive relationship, you cannot glorify Christ Jesus. So I would like to imagine a future where the United Methodist Church just lets people go, but with the hardening of hearts over the last two decades, and especially over the last two years, it's just so hard to see that. So prayer is the only thing that changes hearts and minds for the most part. So be in prayer with me, uh, and be in prayer for Kenya and Ethiopia. So, all right, I'm going to wrap this up. Thanks for uh, coming along with me, and uh, I'll see you later. Bye.